Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Great to be with you here tonight. Uh, My name's Nick. We're a bit smaller here, uh, but that's okay. Um, I imagine a lot of people are celebrating Father's Day with a dinner or perhaps it's a tough day to get out. And um, yeah, look, I get that. It's, um, it's rough and we've all got different experiences of fatherhood and things going on. Um, we did have a video to share from this morning, uh, but it didn't get into the slide pack um, quick enough. But the overwhelming uh, thing, we, we interviewed three fathers of different um, stages, one with young children, one with primary age high school kids, one with adult children and grandchildren. And the, the, they each uh, shared a highlight and a challenge and advice. And um, kind of the, the main theme throughout was uh, generating a relationship with, uh, with your children and investing in the, those relationships. There's some fathers here, and that's good advice to hear. But for all of us, uh, we have fathers, family, and maybe there's a message there of uh, what are we doing to invest in the relationships that we have, um, however that might look. We're continuing our series in um, uh, 1 Corinthians. And to kick us off, I've got a question, as I often do. What happens... After we die, where do we go? What do we see? What happens? What, what happens to our body? What happens to our soul? This is a question that everyone wrestles with on some level. Now, if Christ, as Christians, we've, we've kind of got an answer. Um, do we really know what that answer is? Maybe, maybe not. But, but we know there is an answer to that question. Uh, but for, for everyone else... There's, there's a lot of unknown there. Either we believe that there's something, but I just don't know what it is, or there's nothing, and this life is all that there is. There's the saying, uh, you don't take anything with you to the grave. You know, you've probably heard that before. You don't take anything with you to the grave. And that can mean one of two things. That could mean... Uh, that, um, you know, don't waste your time storing up treasures on earth because you don't take anything with you to the grave, that those treasures on earth aren't going to serve you in the life to come. Or it could mean to some people, don't waste your time storing up treasures in the life to come because there is no life to come. So make everything you can of the life that there is. There's um, a few uh, billionaires out there. I did some research and reading on... um, some of the big wigs in the world, Giorgio Armani from the Armani um, brand. He's worth $9 billion. No living relatives. So where is all that wealth and, and things and stuff that he's amassed for himself, where, where is that going to go? There's uh, the creator of Walmart, his two remaining living relatives, um, uh, Luke and Alice Walton, a combined $60 billion, they're it. There's no more uh, family to pass on this wealth. So building all this wealth, getting all these things, making a status for ourselves, and is this life all that there is? Where do we go after we die? 
And how does it change our lives today? Now, like I said, we've been going through this series, Reclaiming the Resurrection. Uh, Hopefully we'll have slides coming up soon. And the reason um, I wanted to come to this is, one, is to finish off 1 Corinthians, because we've been working through that for about, I don't know, a couple of years or so. Um, But it's been so good. But the the, uh, the main reason of tackling uh, this subject, tackling this passage, is to recenter ourselves on the reality of the resurrection, that the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a real event. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has priority in our theology and our identity as Christians. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has power, has power. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Paul uh, asks a question, how are the dead raised? And he uh, anticipates this question that the Corinthians are asking. And before we get into it, it's worth uh, mentioning that there's some context. He's already established that the resurrection is a real event. Jesus rose from the dead. And it's a, it's a priority in our thinking and identity and, and our understanding of what it means to be a Christian because Jesus is the first fruits. He's the first who rises from the dead, who's resurrected. And everyone in Christ will also be resurrected. And that brings him to the question of, that's all good, but some will ask, how are the dead raised? So what we'll do, we'll work through uh, his, his logic. He kind of uh, works through the explanation and the discussion of this, um, and we'll, we'll tra- track along as we can, landing in, so what? What does that mean for us today? So if you have a Bible, open it up to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35 to 38 is the first passage. How are you going finding those slides, Liam? Yep. We got them? Yeah, a second. That's all right. Otherwise, uh, it's a good good point to say it'd be great to bring your own Bibles uh, to hear Scripture and see Scripture, test what is spoken up the front. If you don't have a Bible, we've got a um, drawer at the back. Uh, you can take one of those. They are our gift to you. Um, sometimes other people's Bibles get lost and they make their way there. And look, that's their fault for losing their Bible. You can have it. Um, but let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, What did I say? 35 to 38. There we go. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish, or you fools, he says. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. So the first thing Paul discusses, what is sown and what is grown. He, uh, he asks this question, uh, he anticipates the question that his readers will ask, of how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have? Like, Will it raise into some crazy zombie-like state? Will all the decay still be there? What, 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 what will happen? Like what's, what's the deal with the resurrection? And Paul says, you fool for asking that question. 
which I think is really funny because Paul's the one that's put those words into the mouth of the readers. Uh, but he's, he's calling them foolish, which is the, it's a biblical idea of, you know, when the Old Testament calls someone a fool, is when we don't include and understand how God is working in something. And so that's, that's his point. And he, he explains the nature of the resurrection with an analogy of a seed. A seed. Here's one I prepared earlier. You see, when a seed um, is sown, you don't uh, take what's already going to, what it's going to be, that's already the finished product, the tree. You don't plant a tree and then expect a tree to be there. No, that's not how it works. You need a seed. And that seed needs to die. It's buried in the ground. It's, it's um, broken. And out of that is something new, something different. You don't plant a seed into the ground and then take out a seed. You plant a seed and that seed changes into something new, something different. And the point Paul is making is that resurrection is not resuscitation. Resurrection is not resuscitation. Because we've seen resuscitation. We understand resuscitation, a body coming back to life, uh, coming back to the life that it was. Jesus resuscitated a whole heap of people. Uh, Lazarus, who was dead for four days. Uh, there was the young woman and, uh, and a couple of, of young women that Jesus raised from the dead. There was Eutychus that Paul himself raised from the dead after he preached too long and he, Eutychus fell out a window. There's no, no one sitting on a ledge of the window, so we're not at risk of that here. Paul raised him from the dead. But that wasn't resurrection, that was resuscitation. We've also seen this in the medical world of people who have been medically dead, like heartbeat stopping, brain stop functioning, and yet somehow has been, have been resuscitated to a point that they're alive again. And that's massive. That's a miracle. That's amazing. But that's not resurrection. Because resuscitation is coming back from the dead to the life that you had. Resurrection is going through death into something different, something new. We heard about this from Sophie last week. A seed doesn't go down into the ground, comes back a seed. It comes back something new, something transformed. And so it's with the resurrection. Uh, Paul, Paul says, uh, it, um, God gives it a body as he determines. And to each kind of seed, he gives it its own body. And so there's discontinuity, there's changes, the the resurrected body is different from the body from before, but there is continuity. Each type of seed has its own type of body that corresponds to the seed that was planted. And all, every resurrection takes after Jesus' resurrection. We can use that as a model for the resurrection all Christians will experience. Now, Jesus, Jesus' resurrected body was different to the one that he had from before. Because he had all these new things that could happen where he could uh, walk through walls or just appear at people. There was times where his disciples didn't recognize him until he started breaking bread. But at the same time, there was continuity. 
Jesus had the same scars on his hands, in his side. He was recognisable. He ate. He was, a, he was a physical body. There was continuity to his resurrected body from the body he had before. And so it is with the resurrection. There's, uh, there's change and transformation, but there's also continuity. Paul develops this point with another analogy from verse 39 uh, to 41. Paul says, Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the splendor of heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. The stars differ from star in splendor. So Paul makes this point, just as there's not all flesh is the same, God didn't make every uh, animal exactly the same, but different kinds. There's people, there's uh, animals, there's uh, birds, there's fish. And if God creates different kinds of flesh, different kinds of animals, he also creates different kinds of beings, different kinds of bodies. There's earthly bodies and there's heavenly bodies. There's the physical and there's the spiritual. And the glory of the physical is one thing. Everything that we can see and feel and touch, and it is glorious. It's amazing to see creation, the, the intricacy of the human body and, and all that there is. But the glory of the spiritual is a whole other thing. What matters in the physical is not the same as what matters in the spiritual. Just as the glory of the sun is different from the moon, different from stars, and each star is unique, so there is the physical and there is the spiritual. Paul continues. He, keeps, he says, if there's a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Where you find a natural body, you will find a spiritual body. Uh, he, uh, he continues from verse 42 to 43. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, but it's raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. The life that we have now, the life that we can see, feel and touch is not comparable to the life that is to come the resurrection life. And the life sown in this life, we, we all know, don't we, the perishability of the body, how weak and frail we can feel at times. And now many of us here are quite young. There will be a time when you feel weak and frail and it's usually about the age of 30 where your back starts hurting and your knee goes. And oh, This world we're in is limited is perishable. And, and what this world has to offer, the physical, the, the glory that we might see is, is dishonoured. That our experience in this life is not all happy and exciting and, and great and everything works out for us. We make mistakes. We do things that bring us shame, that bring our families shame and dishonour. The world around us is hurting and hurts us. 
It's sown in dishonor and weakness, this natural world. But what Jesus promises through the resurrection is something that will be raised in glory, in power, that spiritual body. And Paul says, if there's a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Where you find a natural body, you will find a spiritual body. He goes on to explain what exactly is physical and spiritual, natural and spiritual. So we'll keep going, verse 45 to 49. So it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. Paul references a story right from the beginning of the Bible, the origins of human beings, where God created Adam, the first man, out of dust, out of dirt. And he created him by breathing life into him, into Adam. That first uh, story, that moment where God takes dust and he forms this dust and dirt into the form of a human being but it's not human yet. And Jesus, uh, God breathes into this being the breath of life and it becomes human. It, be, it obtains its own identity. It becomes Adam, a person. And Paul references there's, there's Ad, uh, the first Adam and the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. There's the spiritual and the natural there's the uh, physical and the natural where humanity is, and then the spiritual, uh, the heavenly man, those who are in heaven, where God dwells. Uh, and he says, just of all of us, we have been born in the image of the earthly man. We take after this, the physical, but we also born in the image of the heavenly man, the heavenly person, born in the image of the spiritual. So wherever you find a physical body, you will find a spiritual body. And the resurrection will be physically both. We'll come back to this idea uh, in a bit. Let's keep going. Paul says, he continues in verse 50 to 53. Well, what happens in the end? What's, what's the big deal? He says in 50, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So the problem there is that there's the physical and the spiritual. There's a physical where people are and there's dishonor and weakness and, and shame and, all, and sin and all these things. And then there's the, the heavenly where God dwells. And the problem that exists in the world is that the physical is tainted and corrupt and cannot dwell with God. And so flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. There is a problem to be overcome. But 
That's not where God leaves leaves it. He says, listen, Paul says, listen, I tell you a mystery, a great story. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And so what Paul says is that those who have fallen asleep, they will be raised in the power of the resurrection and be transformed into uh, resurrected bodies that are physical and spiritual, that can dwell with God. But not, all, not everyone will sleep. Not everyone will be at that point. When Jesus returns, when the last trumpet sounds, when, when all that happens, not everyone would have died. The idea is that God will come back while some people are still alive. What about them? Well, in an instant, they'll be transformed, transformed straight away into those resurrected bodies that they could be and exist in to live with God. And so now I, want to, I actually want to take a step back a bit and explain some of the mechanics of well, where do people go when we die? What happens? And then what leads to this point that Paul talks about? And in this, there's a lot of uh, speculation and a lot of different interpretations. And not everyone uh, believes the same thing. And I think, um, uh, yeah, different perspectives and things. And even within staff, uh, we, we believe or, or kind of think about this slightly different. We have different uh, opinions or different interpretations of how this works out. Um, but I think I'm right. <laughs> I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But my, my general approach is to take the perspective with the least problems. Um, but there's always problems with any perspective, particularly with things like this. Um, so the idea, and we've, we've seen it from uh, Scripture, and we've already heard it, that we are physical and we are also spiritual. In Genesis uh, 2 verse 7, God breathed life into dust. And so there, there's the physical and spiritual. And, and um, you know, a few weeks ago, Dave talked about this as well, that we are mind, body, and spirit. We're whole in multiple components of one being, but we've, there's a spirit. There's a spiritual nature to us. And we, we know that. We feel that. And uh, so we are body and spirit. Um, but then humanity, um, in, the, in the story in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, they choose to disobey God. They choose to deny and reject and to go their own way and set their own lives. Uh, they set themselves as king over their own lives. And so they disobey the God that breathed life into them. They disobey and, and separate themselves from the God who gives them life. And so God, God curses Adam and Eve and curses all humanity. And one of the main things he says, from dust you were and to dust you will return. And one of the, the tragedy of death is that body and spirit are separated. Body and spirit are separated because the, the physical remains, um, but it no longer is a person. And, and I'm sure all of us who have, have friends or relatives who have passed away, and it's tragic. There's still a physical component to them, but it's, that's not them. 
they're, they're gone. It's different. And it's, it's tragic that the spirit and body have been separated. Now, where does that spirit go to? In the Old Testament, it talks about a place called Sheol, the place of the dead, um, where, where souls go to, to wait, to, to wait for whatever God has um, in store. We'll talk about in a second. In the New Testament, there's a different place. Uh, there's, if you know the story of uh, the, the two criminals who were crucified along with Jesus. One of them repents and asks Jesus for mercy. Today, Jesus, show me mercy. And what does Jesus say? He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. In paradise. Or in heaven. And so after we die, the physical remains in the physical, but the spiritual goes either to Sheol, the place of the dead, or those who uh, call out to God and trust and believe will be with Jesus in paradise, in heaven. But then, uh, and, I, and I believe that they'll be waiting there, waiting for, to see what God would do. And, we, and I believe that because there's moments where uh, Moses and Elijah come back and um, back from the place of Sheol or wherever they are to be with Jesus in moments. Uh, there's times where people are resurrected. So, um, uh, you know, some, some people believe that when you die, you're, mag- you're instantly teleported to the time when Jesus would return. But then what about the people who are resuscitated, are resurrected, how does it work out for them? Like I said, I try and go for the um, perspective with the least amount of problems. But in the future, there's a time that Paul talks about in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Oh, what am I doing, drawing a trumpet? I'm not going to do that. (laughs) At the last trumpet, when Jesus returns... All will be raised. All will be raised up. This is prophesied in Scripture as well. In Daniel chapter 12, it talks about at the last day, multitudes will rise, rise to eternal life or, uh, or to uh, condemnation, eternal condemnation, it says. There's a time where the, Jesus will return and will reunite body and spirit, will be raised into the resurrected body where body and spirit will be recombined and restored and renewed and made whole again. And that time when Jesus comes down and next week we're going to talk about uh, what does that mean for all of creation. Jesus doesn't just teleport us all to heaven, but he brings heaven down, the spiritual into the natural. And all of creation goes through this process of being transformed, that God might dwell on earth. And so when we talk about where do Christians go, where do people go after we die, the, the, the eternal answer to that question is not heaven, but the new creation, that God restores and renews us, raises up, that we might dwell with him forever. And so why is this important? Why is this a big deal? 
because this is a reality that we can experience now. Paul says, uh, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. The mortal must clothe itself with immortality. This reality that we are body and spirit and that God will restore and renew and change us into resurrected bodies that will be able to dwell with God. We have a citizenship in heaven. We have a place with God that we can enjoy and appreciate now. We can experience intimacy with Jesus because of the work He has done. An intimacy that will be incredibly realised and and physical and real in the end when Jesus returns, but it's one that we can experience now. And so we clothe ourselves with the imperishable. We clothe uh, ourselves with the immortal. Elsewhere in the Bible, Paul says, clothe yourself in Christ. Seek Him, put Him on. Seek to be like Him. Live out our identity as citizens of heaven. Experience the power of the resurrection now. Paul uh, continues. He says, When the perishable has, has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sin? Sting, sorry. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is a law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory in Jesus Christ our Lord. Death is a formidable enemy to everyone. When someone dies, there's this overwhelming sense of loss, of emptiness, of heartbreak. There's something that, that um, as much as the world tries to delay death, it's an inevitability that everyone faces, that everyone fears on some level. It's all-encompassing, all-swallowing. But it's not the end of the story. It's not the end. Uh, even, um, even the sting of death goes on. Um, and we all feel this. When, when loved ones and friends, family, whoever, when we see death, when we hear about death, that hurts us. There's a bit of us that, that feels the sting of death. No one can beat it, but it's not the end of the story. Jesus defeated it. Jesus beat death by going through it and defeating death and rising again, both physically and spiritually. And so even though we might, might die and that might become a reality for us and we might see others who die, it's not the end. Death doesn't have the last say. Jesus does. And he says, I love you. And he says, I've beaten death. And he says, I have a place for you where we can dwell forever in the house that I'm preparing for you in my kingdom. And he is with us by his spirit to, 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 as, an, as a, um, a seal to demonstrate our inheritance that we're, we get to look forward to.
One of the things Paul says is the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. It's a weird thing for Paul to say the power of sin is the law. Isn't the law good? Isn't that something that we should, we should admire and hold to? How is it the law gives sin its power? And he explains it in detail elsewhere, but effectively the law gives, gives the opportunity of sin. In Romans, he talks about the Lord says, do not covet. And yet we find ourselves coveting. Do not be jealous, but we find ourselves being jealous of things. The law is God's right way to live, but the sin inside of us chooses to go the other way, to turn away, to to reject and to deny and to separate ourselves from the God who gives us life. And so the the sting of death is sin. Sin is the, the, the sting that corrupts us and leads us and destines us for death. But thanks be to God who gives us victory over death and sin through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over sin because Jesus paid the price that we deserve. Victory over death because Jesus lives and raises into life that he promises for us. We have victory. And so this life is not all that there is. The physical, the things that we can see and feel and touch, the things that we can earn and amass for ourselves in this world is not all that there is. And Paul says in verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There are so many things in this world that will try to deceive us, that will try to distract us away from uh, being with God. There are so many things. It's hard being a Christian, facing all the doubts and the deception and and the distractions. But Paul says, stand firm. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget the victory that Jesus has won for you. The end of the story is God wins. And he includes us in that victory. So stand firm. Work for the Lord. Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. What are we doing with our effort, with our time, with our money? Is it for the things that matter in this world? Because they're very noisy and very demanding. But is it for things that matter in the world to come, in the kingdom of God? Where are we working? Whose kingdom are we living for? Our own or for God's? Persevere, keep working. And and a, a great advice is fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. But for now, to answer that question, what happens after we die? Well, we we will be raised. Through the power of the resurrection, all those who believe in Jesus into imperishable bodies, into immortal bodies that will dwell with God forever in his kingdom. 
And when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But praise be to God who gives us victory over death in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that in Jesus we have victory. We have won through Jesus and through Jesus alone. And Lord, we acknowledge that uh, there is so many distractions, there is so much deception, there are so many doubts to, to, to struggle with. And, and Lord, we acknowledge that those things are there and they're things that we all struggle with. But we pray you would help us by your Spirit to stand firm in the truth that Jesus did rise again and that he is the first fruits of what is to come for us. That in Jesus we'll have new life. In Jesus, the the physical and the spiritual will be reunited into imperishable bodies, into eternal bodies, into something new and transformed and better than what we have before. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are, who are struggling with the frailty and the, uh, the, the, the corruptness and the sickness of this world and of our own bodies. We, we feel um, how broken we are with illness or with whatever thing, things people may be aware of, things people may not be aware of. And Lord, we pray for healing but we acknowledge healing is only temporary. Lord, we pray for the hope of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, that will be raised into new, eternal, resurrected bodies. Just like Jesus did, He will do to us. So Lord, help us persevere. Help us proclaim this truth to those around us. Help us always to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.